everybody. Welcome to Day 17, Lunch with PB&J, Part 2. Part 2, what? We just, well, we started to record just a minute ago, oh. and then the kids called. We had to pause. We had to parent. Yes. We had to parent, and nobody wanted to see what just took place no. on the phone. <laughs> Although, maybe we'll do a parenting episode, and you can hear... Behind the scenes. Behind the scenes of how we deal with those <laughs> little angels all right uh anyway what were we talking about day 17 we're in acts chapter 23 24 two chapters today yeah super deep super meaty we we're talking about the fact that uh yeah the further we go we're just yeah it's awesome it's falling into place it's all coming together um god's plan for paul's life is really unfolding and uh just learning more and more again Read through Acts a lot in my life. Read through it this exact same reading plan last year during the 21 days of prayer and fasting. And uh, getting even more out of it this year. Probably because you're doing it with me. Probably because God's word's alive and well and living. Because we're doing it together. Us. <laughs> you and Is he me. flirting? What's going on? <laughs> you and me. Okay, you're wasting time. Look, it's you. a minute, 19 seconds in. My love. I don't know what he's doing. Write the song right here now for you. Okay. She just, she don't want none of it. All right. Here we go. So I'm going to read. Um, are you warm at all? I, are you I a little am. warm? I'm going to turn. Yeah. Talk to them. But look, I'm wearing a coat. I don't know what he wants me to talk about. Talk about something. I'm going to turn this one off. There we go. This is awkward. It'll be quieter too. Yes. It's there. quieter. It's because you're here. It's warming up. It's not Stop normally this it. warm in my office. <laughs> You come in and things get heated up. All right. I don't even know what to say. The next day, this is uh, the last verse of Acts 22. The next day, the commander ordered the leading priest into session and the Jewish with the Jewish high council. He wanted to find out what the trouble was all about, so he released Paul to have him stand before them. So the Jewish high council, depending on the translation of the Bible that you're reading, it might say Jewish high council, it might say the Sanhedrin. The Jewish high council was the Sanhedrin. Okay. And that is like, to put it in the easiest terms so that we understand it, that's basically like the Supreme Court for the Jewish people. Jewish people. That was where that was the highest level that they could take things through just amongst themselves. Mm -hmm. It consisted of somewhere between 70 to 70 to 100 men mm -hmm. that oversaw it. So talk about and um, I don't know if you know this or not, but, but would Paul have been a part of that? Was he high enough on the totem pole for that? I that's a great question. I don't know. I, that's one of those questions I do not know the answer to, but I can find out. And let you know. Not right now, because <laughs> right it now. takes a minute to find that stuff out. Um, but, yeah. So the ideal number was actually 71, because mm -hmm. it would be an odd number. But at any given time, there could be between 70 and 100 uh, people that were there uh, as a part of that. And it was mainly high-ranking priests and things like that. So it's completely plausible mm -hmm. that Paul might have been a part of it. Because even if you take in that account where they came and laid their coats yeah. at... at uh, Paul's feet when they stoned authority. Stephen, it showed that he really, he obviously had some sort of authority there. So, yeah. um, anyway, that's, that's where he is. That's what he's about to stand in front of. So verse one says, gazing intently at the high council, Paul began, brothers, I have always lived before God with a clear conscience. Instantly, Ananias, the high priest commanded those close to Paul to slap him in the mouth. <laughs> but Paul said to him, God will slap you, you corrupt hypocrite. What kind of judge are you to break the law yourself by ordering me to be struck like that? So things escalate quickly. <laughs> <laughs> 
um, so a couple things, honestly, like a couple things in that in that verse, just to kind of point out, is um, one by Ananias, the high priest. Mm-hmm. So he would be like one of the high-ranking officials, obviously, because he was the high priest. Um, by him commanding those close to Paul to hit him, he was basically giving a command, an order. Uh, to punish Paul for the statement that he just made. Mm-hmm. And this actually went, and the reason Paul responded the way that he responded yeah. was because Ananias, and this, by the way, is not the Ananias that came and prayed for Paul. All right? right. If you remember way back in Paul's story, right. he was struck blind when he had the encounter with Jesus, and then Ananias prayed for him. This is not the same Ananias. Gotcha. Right? Different guy, same name. Um, but the reason that Paul responds that way is because Ananias is breaking Jewish law by ordering them to slap Paul without a trial. Mm -hmm. So Paul is on trial, but the trial has not been completed. Mm -hmm. Paul has said one sentence, Mm -hmm. and this guy becomes judge, jury, and executioner, Mm -hmm. and it's not his role to do that because there's 70 to 100 people there that are supposed to agree on what to do with Paul. And so this guy immediately says, punish him, and Paul goes, you're a hypocrite. Uh, or I like in other translations, it says, you're a whitewashed wall. <laughs> I didn't know what that <laughs> Which is meant. Just, I had to explain it. There's an insult for you. All right. <laughs> you whitewashed wall. Uh, which basically is a metaphor for being a hypocrite. Mm. It's the, I was explaining, I told Joy, it's like when you paint a wall because it's got dirt on it or it's got mold. Or we watch this one. We watch a lot of like home renovation shows, and one of the um, pet peeves that I have with this one show is they paint the outside of a house a lot. They're, they're oh, restoring yeah. without like scraping the old paint off, so you see all the blemishes underneath. It drives me crazy, people. It's not a smooth paint job. And that would be like a whitewashed wall where you paint over something yeah. to kind of hide the corruption or hide the corrosion that's underneath. Yeah. And that's basically what Paul says is you're a whitewashed wall you look because good, you but look good on the outside, underneath. but there's corruption underneath of you there's corrosion your heart's corroding underneath so uh the new living translation just simplifies it and says you hypocrite all right (laughs) but that's what he's arguing that's the that's the interaction here Mm -hmm. is ananias broke the law by punishing paul without a trial and paul responds back to him pointing out that you're a hypocrite because you're trying me for supposedly breaking Jewish law mm-hmm. and you're breaking Jewish law right. by doing what you just did. So that's where the hypocrisy comes from. All right. Verse four, those standing near Paul said to him, do you dare to insult God's high priest? I'm sorry, brothers. I didn't realize he was the high priest. Paul replied for the scriptures say you must not speak evil of any of your rulers. Um, so again, Little pause here. I know we're not getting very far very fast, are we? Um, so a little pause here again is we actually had this conversation earlier too. We're not really exactly sure why Paul responds the way that he does. So it gets pointed out. He lashes out at Ananias and calls him a hypocrite. Yeah. Um, he immediately kind of, he gets some some uh, kickback on that. Or they go, how dare you speak to the high priest like that? And Paul says, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize he was the high priest. There's two opinions mm-hmm. here. Which is funny because we both yeah. read it and I kind of took it one way. and he I took it the other way. <laughs> um, so I don't know which one. I think it reveals our hearts. No. <laughs> um, I don't know which one it is, honestly. there's there's, But there's two opinions. So two schools of thought on this is one, 
Paul legit didn't realize he was the high priest. Mm -hmm. The reason that he maybe didn't know is one, he's just coming here, uh, new city, first time in front of this, the Sanhedrin here. Um, and Ananias, if he was in the high priest role, he would be wearing the robes mm -hmm. and the garments and all the accoutrement. I think that's the right word. It sounded good, though. Uh, that comes with being a high priest. However, in his role on the as part of the Sanhedrin, he wouldn't have had to wear all of that. So he would have just been dressed in street clothes kind of deal. All right. And so it may literally be that Paul did Didn't not visibly recognize him as the high priest and just thought that he was some dude up there that got a little frisky and ordered him to be slapped. Okay. Mm -hmm. So a little guy... Uh, thinking he had too much power. The other school of thought is that it was kind of sarcastic and a shot taken at Ananias because it's like, oh, he's the high priest. I didn't realize he was the high priest because if he was the high priest, he would have known that what he just did was against Jewish law. Right. So how was I supposed to know he was the high priest when he's the one up there breaking the law? Mm -hmm. I don't know. So it could have been a shot, which is how Joy took it. <laughs> All right. Shows the heart. Um, or, <laughs> or it could have been a legit... Like, oh man, my bad. I didn't realize he was the high priest because I do know scripture says you must not speak evil of any of your rulers. If I'd known he was a high priest, I wouldn't have spoken that way. Yeah. I would have handled it differently. We'll go with yours. But I don't know which one. <laughs> I kinda like the I kinda like the shot thing, I'll be honest with you. All right. And honestly, it bleeds both of them kinda lean into Paul's personality a yeah. little bit too, because he was very obviously well, educated you, in the law, he knew what the law was. Yeah. And he was very blunt. I think yeah. we've established that. He was very blunt and to the point. So I can totally get the shot thing. Yeah. But he was also very studied and very humble. And you saw the times where he tried to make peace at all. And tried to make peace. All, yeah. So I can totally get where Man, I, I, my bad, I didn't realize he was a high priest. I don't know which one, so there's a long explanation to not give you an answer, yeah. okay? Um, take it however you want. Verse 6. Paul realized that some members of the high council were Sadducees and some were Pharisees, so he shouted, Brothers, I'm a Pharisee, as were my ancestors, and I'm on trial because my hope is in the resurrection of the dead. That's a key statement, mm -hmm. and here's why. Verse 7. This divided the council. The Pharisees against the Sadducees. For the Sadducees say there's no resurrection or angels or spirits. But the Pharisees believe in all of these. So there was a great uproar. Some of the teachers of religious law who were Pharisees jumped up and began to argue forcefully. We see nothing wrong with him. He's one of us, yeah. in other words, all right? We get it, they shouted. Perhaps a spirit or an angel spoke to him. As the conflict grew more violent, the commander was afraid that they would tear Paul apart. So he ordered his soldiers to go and rescue him by force and take him back to the fortress. Mm -hmm. So, you got anything? No, I got no. something after the next line. After the next thing? Okay. Um, so, just again, I'm just trying to explain some of these things because we're kind of escalating again right. in the in the crowd that God is putting Paul in front of. So just a quick, if, if you hear the term Pharisee and Sadducees, we hear that a lot mm -hmm. in the New Testament uh, of who these people were and the religious leaders of the time. However, as you just see here, they were divided. Yeah. So they were the religious leaders, but it was two camps. You could almost say, to put it in today's terms, two different denominations. Yeah. Some believed one thing, some believed the other. The defining, really one of the defining um, uh 
points that they differed on was belief in the resurrection. Mm-hmm. So not just in the resurrection of Jesus, but in the in the resurrection in general, mm-hmm. that the dead in Christ shall rise, all of those and things. And would that be, as we've read along here, we've seen that some Pharisees are coming into believing in Jesus. Would that be why we see Pharisees who are kind of More the to, Pharisees were coming, yeah. I don't know that I've read that any right. Sadducees came to the Lord. Right. And the reason for that is the Sadducees only believed and only followed the first five books of the Bible. Okay. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, uh, the Pentateuch, the whatever you only want to call Moses, it. Only Moses then. So just the teachings of Moses, yeah. just the laws of Moses, the teachings of Moses, the writings of Moses, however you want to look at it. Those first five books of the Bible, that was all the Sadducees looked mm-hmm. at. So um, if you go back and read the first five books real fast, you don't have to. Um you'll see that there's little to no reference to any teaching on a resurrection. Yeah. So that was why they didn't believe in the resurrection because they didn't follow the teaching of the prophets that came after that. Mm-hmm. So when you go into Judges and forward, all the prophets of Israel, Jeremiah, Isaiah, all these guys that, that came and, and spoke and gave prophetic, they talked about the resurrection. But Moses talked Moses. about Jesus coming. Mm-hmm. But look at how many times... The other prophets really spoke about Jesus coming. Isaiah, you know, we talked about a Messiah coming. So look at what they missed out on. Right. That would have prepared them. Yeah. So those were the those were the major differences between the Sadducees and okay. Pharisees. Um, Paul saw that. Mm-hmm. Paul saw that the Sanhedrin was divided. Yeah. And he just drove a wedge between them. Yeah. He's like, let's take the attention off of me for a second. <laughs> and uh, he, it was it was kind of a way. And really, I think even but he's a way breaking up their argument. Breaking up their argument, yeah, very much breaking up their argument by showing at least half of them that, hey, I'm one of you. Right. And the reason I'm teaching what I'm teaching, the reason I believe what I believe is for the same reasons that you believe what you believe. We believe the same thing. I just believe that Jesus is that sign of the resurrection. He is the first Mm -hmm. to be resurrected and the rest to come afterwards. So Mm -hmm. verse 11. And we can start moving through quicker now. Those were all little finite finite details that I I wanted us to talk about. Uh, That night the Lord appeared to Paul and said, Be encouraged, Paul. Just as you've been a witness to me here in Jerusalem, you must preach the good news in Rome as well. Hmm. And just all I, you know, it's just, again, that encouragement of if the Lord is encouraging Paul every step of the way. Mm -hmm. So I I think we have to acknowledge that every time we see the Lord you know, take time to encourage him and give him a vision, give him a word. Yeah. Because, um, and we might think that Paul's just made of steel and nothing can, but he's getting encouragement every step of the way mm-hmm. um, and a reminder, hey, I'm with you. This plan is continuing. I'm with you. Yeah. And I, and I think it, it shows too, and, and we, were, we were talking, we had to run out and pick something up. So we had a whole little conversation before we came in. But um, I think too, I looked at that and I thought, you know, it again shows just, how we ha- we can never forget that God works in the unseen, mm-hmm. that God is not reined in by time and space mm-hmm. the same way that we are. And so God is encouraging Paul because God already knows what Paul's final destination is. Yeah. Paul must, that's the wording, Paul must go to Rome. Yeah. So in other words, Paul, don't be discouraged by how things went today. Right. I got a purpose for you, right. and it's not it done still yet. Hasn't until stopped. you get to Rome and preach in Rome, business is not done. So yeah. nothing can happen to you yeah. 
until then. And so I think it's important for us to understand when God promises us something, he does not operate in the in the realm of time and space the same way that we we yeah. do. And so we have to have faith in the unseen that God is literally working in the future even though he's talking to us in the present. Yeah. God is already there, he's already working, he's already making the way. And sometimes we don't see the journey, we don't see the road to the destination. So we've just got to hold on to the promise of the destination, mm -hmm. which is what God did here with Paul. All right. The next morning, a group of Jews got together and bound themselves with an oath not to eat or drink until they had killed Paul. Okay, I said I was going to go faster. Uh, I, I'll, I'll wait. I'll read a couple more verses. Um, there were more than 40 of them in the conspiracy. They went to the leading priests and elders and told them, We have bound ourselves with an oath to eat nothing until we have killed Paul. So you and the high council should ask the commander to bring Paul back to the council again. Pretend you want to examine his case more fully, and we will kill him on the way. Hmm. So I read this uh, today, and actually I came back to it, and then I read it again, kind of went on, then I came back to it again. And the more I came back to it and the more I read it, I just, what what began to stand out to me, and, and I think it was it's not even so much about what was happening there, but just feel like this really connects with us today of these guys, this group of Jews that said, we're, we're not going to eat or drink anything until Paul's a dead man, until we kill him. All right. They were speaking from a place of passion, mm -hmm. passion for their beliefs. Mm -hmm. And what you have with Paul, and we read about it, you know, a couple chapters ago where he's kind of going on his farewell tour. He gets his revelation from God. He knows there's just hell coming for him mm -hmm. and he just keeps going and what you see is you have one group of people that are being led by their passion and it's leading them to a place where they are willing to kill they're willing to kill for their beliefs mm -hmm. and then you have Paul who is also very passionate about his beliefs yeah. but he is willing to die mm -hmm. for his beliefs yeah and we live in this culture today where, yes, there are, and we would look at it and say, anybody that's willing to die for their beliefs is an extremist, that they're, they're, they're a terrorist. You know, these people that, that, that are willing to kill for their beliefs, we, we just would never identify with them because that, that's just extreme. That's way off the charts. I, I could never be that passionate about anything, right? And yet what we're seeing today, and if I can steal something from um, our, our culture or some vernacular from our culture today, the, the cancel culture is alive and well today yeah. to where if somebody doesn't believe the same way that we do, we get very passionate about our beliefs and we it's coming to the point now where we want to cancel people. Mm -hmm. So maybe not, we don't want them to die. Although there's some people that voice things that are like, I hope they do die. I'm not saying I'm going to kill them, but if they died, I'm not saying I'd cry. It's, it's this, I want to make them pay. I want to make them pay. Yeah. I want to make them pay because I am so passionate about what I believe. Yeah. And listen, I'm not just talking. This is in the church and outside of the church. Mm -hmm. I'm not picking a side here. Yeah. I'm saying if your passions lead you to want <laughs> bad things to happen to somebody, you're probably on the wrong side. Mm -hmm. 
all right? You're probably leaning in the wrong direction because what we see, what they're doing here, the conspiracy they have against Paul mm -hmm. is the same conspiracy they had against Jesus, mm -hmm. which is we're going to drum up some charges, we're going to arrest him, and we're not going to rest until he's dead. Mm -hmm. Why? Because he's speaking against our beliefs. Mm -hmm. And we are passionate about what we believe in. And we're so passionate that if somebody doesn't agree with us or speaks against it, they have to die. Yeah. Well, they, they, they've got to they've be canceled. They've got to pay for disagreeing with us. Yeah. Right? Whereas then you have, and then I read that and I'm like, that just was super obvious. Mm -hmm. But then I just thought about Paul and his responses over and over and over again. And what you see is Paul just having this consistent response of, I too am passionate. He's just I as too passionate. am a Pharisee. I yeah. too love the law. I too live by that. I yeah. too have committed myself to that. And I'm willing to die for that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's just this contrast. And so he's willing to lay down his life yeah. that they would find God. Yeah. So I think, <laughs> yes. And so I think we have to really take a look at that and go, where do my passions lead me? Yeah. What, what emotions? Do my passions when we elicit think about inside passion, of me? We think of we all, we think of good things when we hear yeah. the word passion. Oh, they're passionate about something. But yeah. But go ahead. Well, it just it's this thing of what are you passionate about? Because mm -hmm. it's not always uh, it's not always good. Passion's not always good no. if it's directed in the wrong way. Yeah. We were talking about earlier. You you think about what is it? The crime of passion. What do they call that when it's a crime of passion? Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's other analogies too, but it's just, yeah, what are you passionate about? I said, like, when somebody will describe, somebody will be married and have an affair with somebody. They call that And it's described as passion. what? A passionate <laughs> affair. Right. You know, I was married. I was in a loveless marriage. But then I met so-and-so, and we started this relationship. We didn't mean for it to go anywhere. But the passion, it became this passionate yeah. affair. So passion can lead you to do things that feel good. Yeah. But are wrong. Yeah. They're wrong. And I don't care how you look at it. I don't care what excuses you make. Um, so the for lesson it and how much you what? justify the it. The lesson is let's check our passion. What are you passionate about, and what 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 does that lead you to do? Yeah. Are you willing to kill? Yeah. <laughs> or are you willing to die? Yeah. Eddie. Sixteen. But Paul's nephew, his sister's son, heard of their plan and went to the fortress and told Paul. I really thought I was going to start moving faster. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a lot today. All right. Um, so this is the only, this is what's unique about this verse. This is the only reference to Paul's family hmm. anywhere. All right. Um, and, and again, I don't, I don't, this is one of those things again, where I don't have, I can't point to a scripture of evidence mm -hmm. um, to say definitively, but most Bible scholars, most Bible teachers will, will uh, think that when Paul became a Christian, that his family disowned him. Uh, because again, they were very influential. Mm -hmm. um, they would have spent a lot of money to make sure Paul had a good education and was raised up in the proper Jewish law. That's how he became a Pharisee. Um, and he was came from, again, very wealthy family, very intellectual, very influential family. And so there's you know, a lot of people that believe that his family disowned him mm -hmm. when he became a Christian. Mm -hmm. um, really the only verse that you can kind of point to that maybe kind of talks about that is in, uh, I think it's in Philippians, Philippians 3, uh, Philippians 3, 8 says, Paul is speaking and he says, I've lost everything. Mm -hmm. I've lost everything uh, for Christ. Mm -hmm. 
And so there's some people that point to that, point to this and go, man, why doesn't he ever talk about his family? Is it possible that they disowned him? Mm -hmm. And that's part of what Paul's talking about in Philippians is I even lost my family Mm -hmm. because of Christ. But But here here we see his his family's helping him. His nephew is is speaking up and coming to his defense. Mm-hmm. So uh, it may be that his parents disowned him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it may be that it skipped a generation. Maybe his son like thought Uncle Paul. I have an Uncle Paul. Uh, maybe his Uncle Paul was was had something yeah. there. But anyway, but it's just kind know. of interesting because uh, it's the only reference to Paul's family anywhere. Verse seventeen. Paul called for one of the Roman officers and said, "Take this young man to the commander. He has something important to tell him." So the officer did, explaining, Paul, the prisoner, called me over and asked me to bring this young man to you because he has something to tell you. (laughs) I always chuckle in these little exchanges because it's like keeps repeating the same Mm -hmm. things over and over. Uh, The commander took his hand, led him aside and asked, what is it you want to tell me? Paul's nephew told him, some Jews are going to ask you to bring Paul before the high council tomorrow, pretending they want to get some more information. But don't do it. There are more than 40 men hiding along the way, ready to ambush him. They have vowed not to eat or drink anything until they have killed him. They are now they are ready now, just waiting for your consent. Don't let anyone know you told me this, the commander warned the young man. For chapter 23, we'll keep going. Then the commander called two of his officers and ordered, Get 200 soldiers ready to leave for Caesarea at 9 o'clock tonight. Also, Take, which, by the way, 9 o'clock was a weird time to leave in those days. There were no street lights. Uh, the path was not... You know, it was not necessarily a safe path to journey, all that stuff. So the fact that they're leaving under the cover of darkness Mm -hmm. means that they were really taking this seriously. Mm -hmm. And they're basically trying to sneak Paul out. Okay. Uh, Also take 200 spearmen and 70 mounted troops. Provide horses for Paul to ride and get him safely to Governor Felix. Then he wrote this letter to the governor. I'm going to pause before you read that. So I laughed because he says that there's 40 men waiting to ambush Paul. Mm -hmm. And then it made me think, like, look at the response. This Felix guy <laughs> did not have the commander, whoever, yeah. did not have to do this. 200 soldiers, 200 spearmen, 70 mounted troops, I guess that's on horses, and provide horse for Paul to ride. <laughs> like, really? Yeah. In response to 40 men. Yeah. But to me, that's that thing of, um, I almost find that just kind of funny because it's like, the enemy, the devil's against Paul here, got mm-hmm. 40 guys. And God's like, nope, we're going to do 200 here, yeah. 200 here, 70 here, and he's going to ride on a horse. He's not even going to walk. He's going to yeah. ride on Like, I just, it's the Which, again, things. you go back to that verse verse 11 where it says that God's God's encouraging Paul and telling him, you know, basically your your journey's not going to end until you preach in yeah. Rome. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to make sure you have an escort to get but there. But can you imagine <laughs> that many men around yeah. you yeah. escorting you somewhere? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Cool. No, I thought that, that was neat. All right. Verse 26. From Claudius Lysias to His Excellency, Governor Felix, greetings. This man was seized by some Jews, and they were about to kill him when I arrived with the troops. When I learned that he was a Roman citizen, I removed him to safety. Then I took him to their high council to try to learn the basis of the accusations against him. I soon discovered that the, that the charge was something regarding their religious law. He still doesn't even know why they're mad at him. It has something to do with their religious law. Certainly nothing worthy of imprisonment or death. But when I was informed of a plot to kill him, I immediately sent him on to you. I have told his accusers to bring their charges before you. So that night, as ordered, the soldiers took Paul as far as Antipatrice. 
They returned to the fortress the next day while the mounted troops took him on to Caesarea. When they arrived in Caesarea, they presented Paul in the letter to Governor Felix. He read it and then asked Paul what province he was from. Cilicia, Paul answered. I will hear your case myself when your accusers arrive, the governor told him. <laughs> then the governor ordered him to keep to be kept in the prison at Herod's headquarters. And just to stop you too, uh, again, just putting things together in context, this Governor Felix guy that was going to see him is the same position yeah. that Pontius Pilate was. Right. So when Pontius Pilate, you know, saw Jesus and talked to him, so it would be the same ranking. When person. the Jews wanted to kill Jesus, yeah. they brought it to the same position. Basically, yeah. they brought Jesus to the same court, and that was where Pilate said, "You know what? I don't think there's anything wrong yeah. with this guy." But if you want to kill him, I'll wash my hands of yeah. it and do what you're going to so do. So that's who Felix was. So it's was. the same governor. So they're really taking, again, you see this parallel yeah. between Jesus and Paul. I've never seen that before. Yeah. So he ends up in the same, he's ending up in the same court. Five days later, Ananias, the high priest, arrived with some of the Jewish elders and the lawyer, Tertullus, to present their case against Paul to the governor. When Paul was called in, Tertullus presented the charges against Paul in the following address to the governor. You have provided a long period of peace for us Jews, and with foresight have enacted reforms for us. For all of this, Your Excellency, we are very grateful to you, but I don't want to bore you. So please, give me your attention for only a moment. We both turned our pages at the Look same at time. That. <laughs> you and me. We are. Okay. Uh, for only a moment. We have found this man to be a troublemaker who is constantly stirring up riots among the Jews all over the world. He is a ringleader of the cult known as the Nazarenes. Furthermore, he was trying to desecrate the temple when we arrested him. So just highlights, okay? Um, they've got three accusations against Paul. They're bringing in the court. This is basically the opening statement of the trial. And the three accusations, he was a troublemaker, stirring up trouble and riots. Although we've seen it pretty clearly written that they were the ones doing that. Uh, he was a ringleader for a religious cult, uh, which was against Roman law. That's why they put that one in there, is mm -hmm. that was against Roman law um, to, to have a religious cult. Mm -hmm. And three, he tried to desecrate the temple. So those are the three charges they're mm -hmm. bringing to him. Verse 8. You can find out the truth of our accusations by examining him yourself. Then the other Jews chimed in, declaring that everything Tertullus was saying was true. The governor then motioned for Paul to speak. Paul said, I know, sir, that you have been a judge of Jewish affairs for many years, so I gladly present my defense before you. You can quickly discover that I arrived in Jerusalem no more than 12 days ago to worship at the temple. I think that's basically a, a reference to, um, I haven't really had time <laughs> to do everything that they're saying, but... Okay, let's keep going. My accusers never found me arguing with anyone in the temple, nor stirring up a riot in any synagogue or on the streets of the city. These men cannot prove the things they accuse me of doing. Mm -mm. But I admit that I follow the way, which they call a cult. Mm -hmm. I worship the God of our ancestors, and I firmly believe the Jewish law and everything written in the prophets. I have the same hope in God that these men have, that he will raise both the righteous and the unrighteous. Because of this, I always try to maintain a clear conscience before God and all people. Mm -hmm. So this is Paul's defense. Accusation one and two, didn't do it. All right. I have not incited riots. I have not done anything to desecrate the temple. I've not done any, done any of that. 
on the third charge <laughs> that I am the leader of a religious cult, I will admit I am a follower of the way. And it's always good when they call you a cult. Listen, that means you make it, you the just... last two churches that we have been a part of, okay, including Connect Church, that's the second one. The la- the, actually, I should just say that the only two churches we've ever been on staff at, we have been called cults. Um, and listen, by people that call themselves Christians, all right? Not just by the world, like, oh, that's a cult. Now, some people outside of the church have called us cults as well. But by people in the church, why? Because they... I don't know, I honestly. Know. Like sometimes, remember how we keep reading because they were jealous, they did this. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes it's like people see a church grow and they're like, "Oh, that church is a cult," because this literally got said one time at, at, at our previous church. Like, if you were really preaching the word of God, your church wouldn't grow like that. <laughs> they obviously have not read, <laughs> known about this. <laughs> Apparently, they've never read the Book of Acts. Okay. <laughs> Um, listen, I think church growing is a sign that you are preaching the word of yeah. God, that you are bringing truth. However, there will be some people that, again, when you disagree with their beliefs, yeah. they automatically start name calling and trying to label you as something. So Paul's like, am I a part of a cult? <laughs> Here's the deal. Yes, I follow Jesus. <laughs> I believe Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. Um, that's what I preach. That's what I follow. That's what I believe. That's what my, I I believe in some of the same things these guys believe in. And he's going to resurrect the righteous and the unrighteous. And there's going to be a, I believe in all of that just like they do, but they call it a cult. Um, so am I guilty of that one? So don't be shocked when people call you names. (laughs) Yeah. Um, it's, it's sometimes I I used to love, uh, I heard a pastor say one time, if you're not getting shot at, you're not in the fight. Um, I think as Christians, every once in a while, we're probably going to take some shots. And if you're not, there's actually a verse that talks about as well. Um, be, be weary or not weary. I can't think what the right word is. But basically, it's this: be cautious if everybody thinks well of you. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. Is that the, do you remember what the actual? I know it's Shamat, but no. Yeah. So it's it's basically that though: be cautious if everybody thinks well of you. Yeah. In other words, if everybody gets along with you and doesn't ever think you ever say anything wrong, and you never offend somebody, mm-hmm. uh, you never offend anybody with speaking the truth of God's word. You're there's a chance. This is what the Bible says: is there is a chance that maybe you should reconsider some of the things that you're saying Mm -hmm. because the truth of the gospel is offensive. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it is offensive to some. Yeah. All right. We, we talked about it on Sunday, uh, to those that are perishing, it's foolishness, Mm -hmm. but to those who are being saved, it's the power of God. Mm -hmm. And so there's some that just see it. They see it as foolishness. There's some that see it as blasphemy. There's some that see it just as, as cultish. Yeah. In what I gotta, I gotta surrender my. I gotta be willing to die. That sounds like a cult to me. <laughs> I'd be willing to kill somebody, but willing to die? No, that's that's cult it's level going stuff. Going too far. All right. Um, so Paul explains it. Um, yeah, I just I think we need to, I think we need to be on the right side of that. So, mm-hmm. all right. Uh, verse seventeen. I'm not sure. I believe so. After several years away, I returned to Jerusalem with money to aid my people and offer sacrifices to God. My accuser saw me in the temple as I was completing a purification ceremony. There was no crowd around me, no rioting, but some Jews from the province of Asia were there, and they ought to be here to bring charges if they have anything against me. Ask these men here what crime the Jewish high council found me guilty of, except for the one time I shouted out, (laughs) 
I'm on trial before you today because I believe in the resurrection of the dead. I thought that was funny. I was like, yeah, "Yeah, except that one time I shouted at you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And that was, again, I'm on trial today because I believe in the resurrection of the dead. You go, well, when did he shout that? When Paul said, I'm a Pharisee, (laughs) just like you guys. I'm like half of you. I'm a Pharisee. And the riot started. All right. But that was the like, okay, one time I started a riot, but that was because I believed with half the people in the room. Right. The same thing. All right. Uh, at that point, Felix, who was quite familiar with the way, adjourned the hearing and said, wait until Lysus, Lysias, the garrison commander, arrives. Then I will decide the case. Everybody just keeps putting it off on somebody else. Yeah. He ordered an officer to keep Paul in custody, but to give him some freedom and allow his friends to visit him and take care of his needs, which this is going to set up a whole bunch of other letters that Paul's going to write. Mm-hmm. These, the, the, the prison epistles, as mm-hmm. they're called, or the prison letters. Yeah. Um, is this is because in those letters you always hear that so and so came to visit. I was so encouraged by so and so coming yeah. to visit. This is why. This is where they're going to get. And I just here in a minute. I stopped right there, and I just thought it like it made it made me think we really need to praise God for the little things that happen. I mean, we you might read that and think well, that's not a big deal, but the fact that it says to give him some freedom and to allow his friends to come and visit him and take care of his needs. Mm-hmm. Like, um, yes, he's you know he's on trial and this is serious and but it's this thing of like just praising God for the little victories even even in the middle of the storm praising God for these little victories because it's his way of taking care of us it's his way of giving us comfort like just his friends being able to come and you know be there for him that's huge absolutely it's it again it reminds me of Joseph Mm -hmm. in the Old Testament uh, when Joseph he had this dream. One day, brothers, you're all going to bow down and worship me. Don't tell that to your little, to your big brothers, okay? <laughs> um, but then he's sold into slavery. Yeah. He's uh, he's accused of rape. He's put in jail. Like all these bad things. But uh, I always love reading that story because at the end of everything bad that happens to him, it says the Lord was with Joseph. He had faith. The Lord was with Joseph, yeah. and everywhere he went, in yeah. every situation. God constantly had favor yeah. on him and 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 good like positive mm-hmm. things would happen and it was all to get Joseph to the fulfillment of the promise that yeah. God had given to him the same way Paul has been given the promise you will preach in Rome your yeah. purpose won't be done until that but happens. just think if we have the mindset of only negative is happening to me only bad things are God's happening to me, me. God's, God's against me. me like we're not even seeing the victories along the yeah. way yeah. you know and and we need to see that if we only focus on the bad, that's yeah. all we'll see. Yeah. Um, and and we start to we start to lose sight of God in right. our lives, and so we really do. We have to to learn to see God in every situation. Right. What are those little things? And sometimes it may be little. Yeah. But the faith of a mustard seed <laughs> can move mountains. All right. Verse twenty four. Let's finish it out here. A few days later, Felix came back with his wife Drusilla, who was Jewish. Tell him who Drusilla is. You tell him. I don't know. Who is so she? Drusilla, I didn't look into that. who is Felix's wife, the governor, she's also the sister of Herod Agrippa II huh. and Bernice, and she abandoned her former husband, husband Azuses, I can't say it, the king of Emissa, Emessa, and married Felix. So that's hmm. some background about her. Thank you. I didn't look into that. I like that. to know who people are. She does. She likes names, meanings of names, <laughs> backgrounds. She's she's awesome at that. All right. Uh, so that's who Jerusalem. She was Jewish. Mm-hmm. Sending for Paul, they listened as he told them about faith in Christ Jesus. 
As he reasoned with them about righteousness and self-control and the coming day of judgment, Felix became frightened. Mm -hmm. Go away for now, he replied. When it is more convenient, I'll call for you again. Isn't that the way that it still works today? Is when you speak truth to people. Yeah. When you speak the word of God to people, it doesn't mean that they're going to listen to you. They're like, hey, tell me about this Jesus. Tell me about your life. Tell me, tell me, tell me about that Jesus. And then when you start telling them about Jesus, they're like, you know what? Uh, This is not a good time in my life. I'm just (laughs) trying, you know what? Uh, And this is, listen, I remember growing up in church and a lot of people that I I went, I grew up with in youth group with. Yeah. They left the church in their, you know, their college years, kind of college, university. They kind of got away from God, got Mm -hmm. out of church for a while. And then um, a lot of them, not all of them, but some of them filtered back in yeah. once they were married and had kids. And I think sometimes it's this idea of this is not a convenient truth for me right now. <laughs> you know, I kind of and listen, even I know a lot of teenagers, so I don't know if there's a lot of teenagers watching us or not. But parents, you can pass this on to them. OK, is I think there's a lot of teenagers even that are like, I have lots of time. Mm-hmm. I'm young. I want to do what I want to do. And so I believe in God, but I don't really want it to control my life right now. Yeah. It's a little inconvenient because I want to fit in. Yeah. Uh, I want to do what I want to do. Uh, and this is not just teenagers. This is at every level of yeah. our lives, all right? I want to do what I want to do. Uh, this is not the life I want to live right now. It doesn't sound that much fun. I'm just enjoying life. Mm-hmm. You know, later on, I'll get into it later on. I'll, I'll, hey, I'll call on Jesus later when it's a little bit more convenient things settle down. I don't really have anything else I want to do when I'm bored, whatever. Or if I get in trouble, then I will call on Jesus. Don't do that. (laughs) I'll call for him again. He also hoped that Paul would bribe him. So he sent for him quite often and talked with him. Hmm. Um, Yeah, we had, we talked about this too. Not really sure. Uh, My, 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 uh, my take on that is simply that that was pretty commonplace yeah. in the Roman uh, hierarchy of things that, that they were often, they were all about making money. If you remember the guy yesterday that said, yeah, I'm a Roman citizen too. It cost me a lot of money. Rome was all about making the money. Yeah. All right. And so it was very common to bribe officials to kind of get your way yeah. and to get out of things and stuff like that. So he so, thought maybe, okay, Paul, I'll let you sit here in jail for a while, prison for a while. Yeah. And if, when you get tired, you'll, you'll bribe me or you'll, you'll give me some money to get yeah. out. And it might have been, I mean, it might have been a test to like, okay, let's just see, you know, eventually this guy's going to wear down mm-hmm. and he's going to want to out of here. And he's just going to, he's, he's going to give me some money so that I'll let him out. Yeah. Um, and so he kept calling for Paul, and every time he called for him, Paul just told him about Jesus. Right. The only thing he offered him was this. <laughs> it's kind of going again back to Peter. I don't have anything to offer you in terms of a bribe, but what I do have, let me tell you about some Jesus. And I read that as, I think, 27 is the next line. It says, mm-hmm. after two years went by in this way. Yeah. And it's that back and forth of Felix calling for him and maybe bringing his wife along, and, and they're yeah. having this conversation about righteousness and self-control and the coming day of judgment, and he's processing all this stuff. But it made me think of just how long are we willing to invest in people? Mm-hmm. Like for two years this went on, yeah. and Paul really invested into the into this guy, yeah. and it wasn't about whether he saw results, but if this guy inquired of him, mm-hmm. he came and shared the gospel. You know, yeah. not came, he's sitting in jail, but he would share the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so it just made me, you know, think sometimes how how much effort am I willing to put into somebody, yeah. even if I don't see change in their life? Yeah. Am I willing to invest? As long as they keep coming back and yeah. listen, you're 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 gonna have people that come to you, and their agenda, yeah, 
may not be totally pure. Yeah. Their their outlook on things may not be right where they need to be. But if they continue to come to you, just keep giving them Jesus. Yeah. And pray that, that eventually it's going to kick in. Yeah. Like it's going to take root at some point, okay? Um, so just, yeah, just keep doing it. Be faithful mm-hmm. in what in the opportunity. Again, it goes back to that thing. Be faithful in the, the opportunities opportunity. God presents. Yeah. So after two years went by in this way, Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus. And because Felix wanted to gain favor with the Jewish people, uh, he left Paul in prison. So uh, I guess, yeah, Felix left him in there. Uh, I, get, I don't know if that's like that transition of power. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says Felix left him in, even though he was succeeded by this Festus guy. I don't know if in the transition of power, it's kind of like uh, we just saw it in the States, you know, where, where Trump uh, pardoned a whole bunch of people mm-hmm. just before he leaves office. Could he have? I don't know if he could have just pardoned Paul yeah. in that transition time or what. Yeah. But instead, he wants to, to keep favor with the Jewish people, so he just leaves Paul right. in prison during that time. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll continue on with Paul in prison tomorrow. It's, it's getting, yeah, it's just deep, but we are seeing God's journey for Paul, and there's just this constant set promise up, of, up, I have a purpose yeah. for your life. I have a plan, and nothing is going to happen until that plan yeah. is accomplished. You are covered. You are protected. If I have to escort you because with soldiers, that's what I'll do. Paul keeps surrendering his yeah, life to just God. Just constant surrender. So yeah. awesome. Joy. Pray us out. I prayed yesterday. How dare you pray two days in a <laughs> row? Do you want me to? Yeah. Now that you said that. <laughs> Jesus, we love you and we're so thankful God's meet together again and just to hear your word. And I just pray for everybody, God, that is fasting and praying and reading the book of Acts with us. God, continue to reveal yourself to us. We love you, Jesus. Continue to speak to us. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys, for being here. We'll see you tomorrow for lunch with PB&J.